and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Jameson Maxwell. And uh, look, the offseason's rolling on. And as it has been every single December, you know, since the portals existed, things have been absolute madness. We've touched on it a little bit last week, uh, last Wednesday with Dylan Gabriel hitting the portal. But Jameson, you're in. And uh, as as people who know, you know, we, we know you're the you're the Cruton guy, you're the portal guy, you know, and look, it, it's a bit of a madhouse right now. We've kind of got our exits out. Now we're looking at who is entering Norman, who's looking at, at uh, coming to Norman. And let's talk a little bit about the realistic prospects, uh, some other people on your wish list and uh, really just the whole scope of things right now for the Sooners. Yeah, whenever you talk about the transfer portal and wish list, every single Oklahoma fan is going to talk about defensive linemen. But let's just talk about the guys that we've gotten so far. We've already gotten two, and it feels so early. It is December 10th, and we've already gotten two guys from the transfer portal, but everyone's hopping in the boat quick. And I feel like not enough people are talking about getting a guy like Spencer Brown from Michigan State in. I feel like losing Tyler Guyton, you know, we kind of brushed it off because, you know, oh, Jacob Saxon's been playing really good on that right tackle side. I, he's going to move over to left. This is not a permanent decision for him to stay at right tackle. So that right tackle is wide open. Having a two-year starter from Michigan State, a guy that Bill Biedenboe liked in high school, I think is a really, really good get. It's just not this big-time sexy name that everyone knows about, but this is a really good move. and People need to talk about it more. I mean, absolutely. Getting a seasoned guy who has played in – you know, really high level football, you know, in the big 10, um, that's a, that's a pretty big move. I, I think, I think that's something to be very excited about. Um, you know, when you have that experience, it's a little bit easier to adapt to a different system because you've, you're not, you're not just learning how to be a line, lineman in college. You're also, you, you, you know, that part already. So I think it's a, I think it's a great ad. Like you said, not super sexy. Michigan state was horrible this year. But uh, that's a really solid bit of um, a really solid addition to Bill Biedenboe's uh, O-line for sure. And I think right tackle is kind of a hard position to get a young guy with years of eligibility left in the transfer portal. Because if you think of guys that have experience early on in their offensive line you know, career, if they're at a smaller school and they were a, a badass tackle, they're probably playing left tackle because they're putting their best player at left. If that guy is that talented to start that young, you put him on the left side. Like we saw it a little bit with Caden Green whenever he's starting off at tackle at the beginning of the year. You put him on the left because you see a future in them to be, you know, an NFL type of guy. You don't get a lot of guys that played early and often as a right tackle. And I, I feel like that's just kind of a rare combination that you don't see much. Yeah, that's a it's just a very weird... You know, you don't find that in the portal often, honestly. Um, a lot of situations, you have guys who, you know, just didn't work out in their situation or, you know, like, like for example, with OU, Savion Bird leaving, you know, that that type of uh, guys who you get in the O-line. It's never someone who's accomplished, who's played a lot. So mm-hmm. a really unique, really good find there for OU. Yeah, Tyler Guyton was like a transition tight end, you know, a project yeah. that turned into something really, really good. Like, awesome. And he's going to test so, so well at the NFL Draft Combine. And we knew it from the beginning whenever we took him. Like, this guy is going to athletically test amazing. And he turned into a pretty solid, you know, offensive tackle for us, aside for some penalties this year. Like, in terms of consistency, he was right up there. Right. And consistency is really what you're looking for 
uh, on the line anyways, you know, the mm -hmm. mistakes that happens regardless, especially at the, the college level. But, you know, I thought he was, <clears throat> he served OU very well. He was a, a solid, a solid player for sure. Uh, definitely a bit of a loss, but, you know, I think overall having guys go to the league, that's exactly what you want. Obviously. Yeah. And Andrew Rame, did Andrew Rame just like absolutely surprise you? I mean, like, I rumblings about that, but I like, I was like, come on, this guy's a smart kid. Is he actually going to do this? Like, what kind of grade is he getting in the NFL draft or did he really want to get out that bad? Like his play this year, I just don't see like at the beginning of the season, you know, some people are like, Oh, this guy could put things, some things together and have like a decent season where he could be a, you know, a day two guy. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a day two guy. And I feel like the only reason it would be is just because Bill Beatonbo has such a reputation of putting guys in the league um, even if they didn't have a good season, some people will take chances on them. We've seen there's certain, you know, NFL organizations that love getting Bill Beatonbo offensive linemen. Take like, you know, the Baltimore Ravens have been like famous for it. You know, the Cincinnati Bengals have done it. You know, Kansas City Chiefs have done it. You know, it's it's that could be in play, but it's just I feel like it's a very weird move. I mean, it it really is. Uh, his play didn't really scream, you know, first, second round talent to me. I think you could definitely see another year really helping him, you know, to really mature and pr progress and all that. But, you know, again, it, it, if if guys are biting on Beanbow projects as early as they are, um, you know, like you said, last year, Kansas City kind of reaching for um, God, I'm blanking so bad on who, who, who did who did, who did, who, the, who did the Chiefs draft again last year from OU uh, lineman Tennessee transfer. Talking? killing me wanye morris wanye morris yeah and like yeah. wanye yeah duh. yeah wanye morris like who didn't exactly have like a stellar year at ou or t tenure at ou but um was like serviceable was very solid you know um it essentially the market price is what the market price is if if, mm -hmm. if, if nfl people are jumping at a, a bill be, beaten boat products why not i guess but i don't know mm -hmm. yeah and wanye hasn't done anything for right. Kansas City this year and he's a third round pick but I mean that just shows you how good of an offensive line they have and they have some veterans and you know he could be coming down the line with that of course that's a draft mm -hmm. and stash type of guy in a way yeah and, and I get it you know people are talking about like Andrew Rame's been playing on doing this for a while now this has been pre-calculated it's just like from a practical standpoint just looking at the situation I'm just like I, ju I just don't see it like you know like he's a got a good head on his shoulders like he's a from what I've heard, like he tries to be a presence in the locker room, <clears throat> but if he was really that sick of college football, it's just like, I don't know that, that, that I feel like if I'm an NFL scout, like I look at his tape and be like, I really wish he would have went back for another year. I feel like that might even be a red flag. Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where you want to, you need to have the maturity to go back, work a little bit more. Um, I, I, I would see that being a plus, but you know, Hey, if you want to go try to get your money, go for it. But. Oh, yeah, no, I totally, I totally get it. Yeah, for sure. Um, trying to think. So yeah, uh, oh, line wise, you know, we definitely had a little bit more surprising exits than we thought. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so it's looking like next season it's going to be left tackle Jacob Sexton. They really believe in what he is on that left side. Left guard is going to be Caden Green. You know, yep. center is going to be a, a big, you know, competition like. Who's going to be that guy who's going to come over and take that um, that job? Could we go and look for a guy in the portal? You know, um, I 
I haven't really been convinced at all um, with any of our guys that we have currently in our room that we had. Um, so I feel like center's up for grabs, you know, right guard also. Um, is a guy like Jake Taylor going to finally take that step up? We keep hearing about all these things. About, oh, he's been really good. He's been really good, but we barely even see him. Like right guard's up for grabs when the you're going. And, you know, right tackle, you'd think, you know, um, Spencer would – Smith Brown would move into that spot. So there's a couple of question marks on the inside of that line that I'm curious to see how they pan out. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely one of those. Yeah. I feel like beaten bows lines go in kind of cycles where, you know, you don't have it. You have a couple guys who are solid and then the other half of the line is like a mystery. And this feels like one of those cases this year where it's a bit of a refresh. Um, Obviously Caden green and Sexton seem like they're going to be, you know, stalwarts at their positions but um yeah i i don't know it feels like a pretty solid pretty big reset year for uh for that position group yeah and you'd think caleb schaefer's probably kind of slotted in to take one of those positions either the center or the guard um but it is absolutely going to be competition of that position um let's move on from offensive line talk about the other guy we got in the portal bobby um also another guy that people haven't really gotten too excited about but just think about positions of need and cornerback, I feel like one is not going to be talked about as much because Woody still hasn't made a decision on if he's going to come back or not. And obviously no news, the, way, the longer he waits continues to be good news for him. But also like Gentry Williams showed this year, like he was not out there as much as we needed him. And our depth at cornerback was very, very young. And it'd be nice to have guys, you know, like um, Des Walker um, come in and uh, Des Malone, I mean, Des Malone come in and um be a presence we've seen guys who come and transfer at the cornerback position in our defense recently go out and make you know big time plays you know can i walker whenever he came in early like he showed some things he just didn't stick with it and didn't get the consistency but like you know cornerback is absolutely open in terms of depth we get a lot of rotations there and i think like the way that des plays and the way his tape is that's the type of guy that you want at oklahoma he's you know he's physical he's got a good body um, he can go out there and make plays. Yeah, for sure. Um, Malone is absolutely a very exciting prospect to me. I know he is, you know, um, a Mountain West guy, San Diego State. Uh, uh, if you listen to the weekend spread, you hear that uh, that uh, school gets slandered almost on a weekly basis from our, our colleague Boaten Blake. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, just looking at, at at the stats, what he what he's done, he has been a very very solid. Um, incredible defender uh, for him. You know, he, he doesn't get scored on often. I'll put it that way. Um, not only that, but he is a little bit more mature. You know, he has, he still has two years of eligibility, but he, I believe his class was 2022 or 2020. So he's been in and around college football for quite a while. So I think that's a really good, exciting piece that adds a lot of uh, experience there. Uh, albeit not a, you know, exactly the highest level of college football. Mm-hmm. And I mean, other positions that we're looking at in the portal, everyone's going to want to try to get a defensive lineman, but that's just like a transfer portal at defensive line. It's like, we got spoiled last year with getting to Terry and like the guy obviously didn't produce to the level. Some people were hyping him up to be, you know, same thing. Whenever you look at Desan McCullough, like these type of big physical press, like, you know, uh, presences on um, the defensive line slash like, you know, linebacker that uh, McCullough was, are very, very hard to get. And we really need that as a team. We said it every single episode this year that getting good defensive line burst 
and getting pressure on the quarterback was this thing that was missing in Brent Venable's defense. You need to get pressure on the quarterback whenever you play zone. And we had none from our defensive line the whole year. And everyone's going to be looking big old eyeballs at Princely Uman Milan. I feel like I used to say that exactly like that whenever he was getting recruited. And I'm going to continue to say it like that because I don't really remember the correct way to pronounce it. But in terms of a pass rusher with SEC presence, he's the guy. And that's the guy that every OU fan should be looking at. You know, he's already has an extreme connection with Oklahoma. Like we thought that we were a big player in his recruitment coming through. And then he ended up going to Florida and he's kind of convinced through the Dan Mullen scheme, a lot of Dan Mullen weird recruiting or stories. Napier, but, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like, um, it's kind of weird. Uh, I guess, you know, Chris McClellan too, also Florida, um, just kind of some weird Florida hits from the Oklahoma, Texas area. Um, but, uh, you know, Princely will be such a big, big, guy if we can get him and it seems like i read somewhere or heard somewhere i forget where it was that it's like he's just trying to make sure the way he said it kind of scared me that ou will have a good transition to the sec like like can they actually this defense play with the big dogs and it kind of kind of irked me a little bit like if if he's already you know questioning you know oklahoma's ability to transition defensively to the sec is he still stuck and that kind of old mindset of what Oklahoma's defense is because yes, obviously we have a lot of work left to do, but what we used to be under Lincoln Riley is probably what he's still thinking. Well, in the year to year improvement too was, was massive. Uh, even in Venables' first year from that to this, it's, it's the leap is there. Uh, it's just a matter of personnel. I think with a lot of it, um, personnel issues that would be resolved by Princely coming to OU, uh, which would be very nice. You know, uh, this is a system that really needs, you know, strong edge rushers uh, to really, like you said, ramp up that pressure. Um, and Princely, that would be a pretty dang good fit. Um, obviously, McClellan as well, you know, getting brought up different type of alignment or D lineman for sure. Uh, he is a Tulsa guy, uh, has South Tulsa or North Tulsa in his bio, I believe. So that could be a pretty strong push to return there. Uh, obviously, Tulsa looking a lot. Tulsa, there's a better relationship with Tulsa now than when he was uh, being recruited. So that is a position I think that OU fans can have a little bit of optimism on. But um, yeah, Princely, I mean, that would be a big win. That That would be a big, big win. Yeah, I'm programming now. I was thinking of Troy Everett instead of Caleb Schaefer, too, both the transfer offensive linemen earlier, because Caleb Schaefer's out of um, uh, any kind of eligibility. So I was thinking of Troy Everett there um, in terms of the center and guard competition for next yeah. year. Um, Troy Everett, I, I'll put, put put it this way for Everett. Like, he's kind of he kind of has to play center because of his size. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, he, he is so unique that it's like if you put him, especially in the SEC, you know, if you, if you put him elsewhere, it just doesn't quite doesn't quite work. Uh, but at, at, the, at the center role, that's a position that can really help him out or that his size can, you know, not be as much of a hindrance. Yeah. Okay. Just had to say that. Cause I, I knew I was trying to think of like the guy's name and I was sitting there. I was like, who the hell am I trying to think of? And I just completely brain farted. And just like those two guys, the way that they played this year, I, I just was easy to um, kind of mix them up. But, you know, going back to Princely, like this was a guy, you know, was a starter for Florida this year. He had 11 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. And, you know, he can look at, you know, what Rondell Bothroyd is leaving and be like, 
oh, Rondell Bothroyd came through and, you know, this slot is right here for the taking. And he already kind of holds him up into a superior thinking just by the comment I said earlier is, oh, you ready for SEC? He already thinks that he plays with the big dogs. He can come in and he can be the pass rusher on the outside um, with Ethan Downs on the other side with, that we'd really, really, really need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just would be a perfect dream fit uh, if you can get him. Uh, and that's the biggest thing is, I feel like these days, if you really think about it, the guys who are getting the biggest bags, who are, you know, getting the biggest attention, they're all the defensive linemen. You know, mm. it's 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 quarterbacks and it's D-linemen. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious if, like, you know, we, we hear these, you know, things about what quarterbacks are getting in the, in the portal right now in terms of NIL. Like, defensive linemen, pass rushers and defensive tackles. Like, I'm curious to see how much they're getting, you know? We heard the talk about one and a half to two million as like a target range for you know a, kind of a quarterback that's competitive in in the portal, um, and I'm sure that there might be some deals that are a little bit higher than that. But like for a defensive lineman, I feel like they are just so important as well that like I wouldn't say they're going to be up in the you know. I, I, what do you think? I don't even know where to start. Like, do you know. even have an idea of a number? Because every single time I think of this, Bobby, I just kind of like get confused and I'm like, eh, no, I can't really think of a number because I just don't know what these guys are worth. It, I mean, it's incredibly hard to figure out what these guys are worth because, in a way, you know, you can't just completely fix it with one of them. You have to have a, you have to have a full line stacked and staffed quarterback. And you can just get one. And that's, I think what makes it tricky in a way, um, but, and again, it, it's hard to figure out how much these guys are making because really, you know, it's not reported or anything, you know, it's not like declared like uh, salaries are in the NFL or NBA. And you're just kind of guessing, you know, you're, you're guessing about like, you know, message board geniuses, rumors and all that. And it's, um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I would really love to, to see that transparency just out of curiosity, what that is, because, I'll tell you this, I guarantee you that price has been going up year by year. So. Oh, yeah. And I bet you it's bigger than what we actually think it is. Um, oh, yeah. And the thing is, like, it's different, though, because, like, different colleges do different deals, um, you know, where, you know, there's some colleges that, like, kind of once you get here will give you the money, like, throughout the years. And then, like, Texas A&M, as they're very famous for, is we throw money at you right up front to get you in the door, and then you can hit the transfer portal a year or two later. Like, That's right. you know, we'll Walter Nolan and LT Overton and all those guys are getting double money right now because they're just, <laughs> just playing around. It's it's kind of ridiculous, but at the same time, you know, like, why not? Why not do that? Abuse the system. Texas A&M pays, it has paid a lot of money to a lot of people for, you know, to just not do anything, which is kind of funny. You know, mm -hmm. either it's it's playing paying players early because you want them to come there and then they leave anyways, or paying Jimbo Fisher uh, to not be there. So, I, I mean, oh, here, here's the thing, like Texas A&M, if you got the money to pay him up front, I, it's worth the risk. Like they've yeah. made what they've done and we like to clown Texas A&M a lot as Oklahoma fans, but what they did with that program in terms of their boosters and money completely shifted what Texas A&M's, you know, you know, view was they had the Johnny football times. And obviously that was like a great, you know, mixture of combination of getting a guy that, you know, was a small town, Texas kid. And it kind of just a perfect little combination, but in terms of their competitiveness in the recruiting sphere, 
they were on the forefront of paying you know players out front and they took big time risk doing it it didn't pan out for them but those are the type of things in college football that you have to do if you are a program like Texas A&M and you're struggling in the SEC behind you know the Georgias and Alabamas go out there and throw some money out and be different and it could have worked the problem was a lot of the guys that they got you know their characters were probably a little bit in question cuz they were coming maybe more for the money rather than the culture itself. And that's where things crumbled, but right. it was worth the risk. So, I mean, like I applaud Texas A&M for, for their shots and what they've done recently in terms of their NIL. Um, but it, they really need to focus a little bit more on culture now that they've got a new head coach. Right. It, it didn't, the, the Fisher era didn't fail at A&M because of the recruiting. That's for damn sure. It was coaching and it, it, uh, incredibly cor- poor coaching fit, I think instantly. And, you know, Jimbo's a guy who just didn't adapt. But anyways, not, not an A&M show, uh, even though we do love to talk to kind of clown on him a little bit there. But um, I don't know. OK, so we, we talked about D-line. Uh, any any other prospects that you have a, have an eye on? Yeah, you know, Chris McClellan, we kind of talked about a guy from Owasso. Like, the funny part is, you know, it's really fun whenever it's the transfer portal and it's these guys' names that you used to have heard back in the day. And you're like, oh, this is so nice. Like, bringing up these old names that, you know, we got second place or we got third place in their recruitment. It's a really big bummer. And, like, I really wish that we would have got them in, their, in our team. Like, what could have been? Like, you know, looking at Princely stats, like, what could they have been in this team? You know, it's fun like that. Chris McClellan is an Oklahoma guy, you know, like he's going to come visit. We'll see how things go. I'm, I'm really excited um, to see. He's not going to be, you know, he, he was the type of guy in high school where his stock was a little bit lower at Owasso and then it skyrocketed in the rankings and everyone went crazy for him, um, you know, but uh, he's not going to be an immediate impact type of guy. But, you know, like look at a guy like what Jacob Lacey did this year as a transfer for us. You know, guys on the defensive line that can come in, just make a couple of big plays are extremely valuable. And Chris McClellan, you know, has got a lot of physical tools and it'd be fun to get an Oklahoma guy back home. Yeah, no, I I mean, absolutely. Um, The Oklahoma aspect is something that is exciting and it has been, you know, real big overall. And which is great because next year's class is going to be just like as good as any Oklahoma class has ever been. So continuing to shore that up is uh, is a really definitely something that you know we're obviously all about Mm -hmm. yeah and so i feel like that's the like the majority of like names are people talking right now and there's going to be a lot more that come throughout this period you know andrew makuba as well i feel like is the probably the the biggest other name you notice this is like a lot of (laughs) defensive talk because the big names are really on defense we'll find some offensive guys here because we're absolutely going to need some like a wide receiver and a a running back and absolutely a running back for sure but andrew makuba another guy that we thought (laughs) was all for oklahoma back in the day you know he was latrell mccutcheon's best friend remember they were supposed to be a package deal this whole thing and andrew makuba and latrell were going to come in and it was going to be so great and we got latrell we offer Makuba and then all of a sudden like we didn't hear anything about it after he had a visit and he offered it was the weirdest thing and a lot of message board people were pissed like why would we just bring him in and offer him and then just ghost him goes out turns into you know like you know all-american freshman freshman all-american and played a great year at Clemson and loved Brent Venables the mixture of like his Oklahoma past and Brent Venables like 
the guy probably I, I think there are rumors that he wanted to transfer to Oklahoma last year. So this will be a guy that a lot of people want. And hopefully we can be a big time player for coming up this um, transfer portal season. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, would love that. You know, I think there's definitely, you know, definitely a pretty solid chance that he could come to OU given the Venables, you know, relationship and, you know, pr previously being at OU, even though it didn't work out there, different, obviously significantly different program now than it was in the Lincoln era. Uh, any ill will there, you know, look at like, just listen to, you know, Trace Ford hearing about his uh, experience with the new OU versus the old one. It's night and day. So if there was any ill will there, hopefully it's gone. Um, but no, I mean, he would be, he would be a big one. Uh, I believe Texas is also in on that. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. massive recruiting battle there, depending on if we can get him over to our side or not, we'll see. But, um, obviously, you know, getting a Clemson guy, that'd be pretty big. Yeah. And then like some other names and I'm not going to name everything, but just some names that I've seen, uh, Samuel Martin is a running back from UT Martin, like smaller school that we offered that he, he posted on his Twitter. They offered, um, we also offered, um, South Carolina running back as well in the portal. Um, and then, um, Chris Paul jr, the linebacker we offer, but he is already going elsewhere, but the South Carolina's guy's name is Mario Anderson. So just, you can tell that we're looking at running backs right now, but those will, there will be continue. There will continue to be more options throughout this portal season. Like if you think about it, you know, it's not all or nothing right now. Like we don't have to, you know, scramble, like think about the guys that we got in the transfer portal just in the spring last year. I already mentioned Dejon Terry earlier in this, in this podcast episode, like he came late, like pretty damn late, you know, like we can get guys in this class, you know, in the second transfer um, window rather than having to be like, Oh, we need to fill them now. Yeah, and I mean, wasn't was Walter Rouse late or was he like, was he December? I'm trying to remember. So he was later within the system um, because we thought for sure he was going to go to Nebraska, and he kind of milked it all the way into like January. Is that, la that last and, second flip? And it was yeah. it was the last second flip before that last window closed. That's right. Um, That's right. That's what I'm yeah. remembering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. It, <laughs> This portal stuff doesn't wrap up quick. It's it's going to be going quite a while, uh, yeah. to say the least. Um, and it's and it makes things fun because like college football, you know, you never want it to end. But whenever you have stuff to talk about in terms of like another edge of recruiting in terms of portal talk, that's why people love it. People always like the what ifs. You talk about you know professional you know football basketball fans. People are always in the trade machines trying to figure out ways to make their team better. That's essentially this is essentially the trade machine of college football. Like, where can I go out and take pit players from other teams to make my team better? So that's why people love it so much. And in all honesty, you know, I will continue to say it over and over. Like, unless you're poaching people and you were like, this guy, you know, is in the port. Like, I kind of pushed him into the portal rather than he entered the portal. The majority of people that we're going to get from the portal are not going to be huge, um, huge, big time difference makers. But those grad transfers and the guys that you push into the portal. Yeah, <laughs> they can really help you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's a big time stuff, you know, especially the more mature guys as you enter the SEC. That's exactly what you want, uh, you know, for sure. Um, I got OK, so we've, we've talked a lot of, a lot of portal talking, but to me, there's like there there's one big position that I'm like we've, we've talked about it all year long. We need to shore up the tight end room. Uh, yes. 
Jalen Conyers, did. come back, baby. Didn't come Conyers, back, I think Conyers. Conyers went somewhere already. Or did he really? Did he I, haven't, I, I, I haven't even paid attention to it, I, to be honest with you. Is he already gone? Oh, Con- no. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Texas pretty sure Tech. Conyers, and it was yeah, earlier right. today. I just, I've been that's working right. all day. So, oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. that is so lame. That's right. Yeah. That, I, I mean, I guess I it makes sense. Jordan I mean, McCoy. honestly, it's not like, you know, Jalen Conyers is going to change things for us, you know, too much. But, like, yeah. you know, it'd be fun to see some tidying guys. So, you know, that's just the hope of, like, you know, we, we we absolutely need someone. It is not like a we can just deal with our young guys and move forward. Um, it's it, we need a tight end. So you just got to hope that someone pops in the portal that we like a little bit more. For sure. Yeah. And Conyers, you know, that's a it pretty uh, he obviously has a pretty deep history with ou as well so it would have been a little bit of weird, Damn. Of a weird yeah that one, happened so. that happened about a couple hours ago yeah, yeah. completely missed that um yeah. but no it's it's i'm not heartbroken about that if, if we don't get princely i'm gonna get really sad but losing conyers i'm not yeah there are other not, fish in the sea yeah exactly um titans for sure uh and then, like we said, like running back and wide receiver, we will dip our toes in that. You know, like what Andrew Anthony contributed for us at the beginning of the season was absolutely big time. You know, we got to just cross our fingers and hope that we can get a guy like that again. Of course. For sure. And plus, you know, him coming off ACL, you know, once again, it'll be like a new gift for us. Hopefully he'll be one of the type of players that can, you know, return from ACL and get closer to his 100% form rather than other people. You know, obviously you can always tell that they just aren't the same anymore. But, you know, the way that we ended this season in terms of, you know, a, kind of that gap in production on the outside wide receiver um, room, it's going to be nice to have him back. Um, but also this is pending a lot on these decisions that some of our players have to make here after this bowl game that they have not decided if they're going to stay at Oklahoma or, or enter the draft slash leave. Like I'm talking about Jalil Farouk. Like, Bobby, what is your argument? If you're just put yourself self not in Oklahoma fan shoes, put yourself in Jalil Farouk's shoes. Like, what are you thinking right now? What you should do for your future? I think there's an argument for Farouk specifically that I don't think he's draft ready, but I don't think he I don't know if staying at Oklahoma is the right move because it just kind of hasn't worked out yet. So I mean, that could be some, something where you dip your toe into the portal, take a look around, uh, get a change of scenery. You know, just like if you think about it, Andrew Anthony himself, you know, needed a change of scenery. He wasn't really getting much burn at, at um, you know, Michigan. And even though Farouk is getting a lot of burn at OU, he's just not getting a lot of production. Um, so, I, I mean, Farouk to me feels like that middle ground of go to the portal, see if you can find a better location. Um because I don't know if it's I don't know if it's happening at OU. I just really don't. Yeah, and then the thing is, like, it makes whenever you say that, do you think it's an OU problem for him not getting enough opportunity? Because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to be had <laughs> in terms of outside wide receiver at OU, or is it more so is just like Jalil Farouk's consistency is the issue? I think you know if you're looking at Jalil Farouk trying to go find a better option elsewhere. Oklahoma is something that he already knows and the coaching staff obviously holds very highly for him where they put him in different packages running the ball. You know, if you could just go in the off season and really work on yourself, like this guy could be a guy who could step his game to the next level. Obviously that's a big if, but like Oklahoma has a huge gap already, even with him here at the outside wide receiving room. I should he leave? I don't think he should. I think that's a big time risk. 
yeah, that's true. I I would I was probably a little too extreme on that one, um, because you're right. It, it, there's a lot of opportunity about to open up with Drake Snoop's leaving all of that. You know, you can move him around a bit. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that that might have been a little bit of a spicy take on my end, but um, no, but I know, get it because a lot yeah. of people are saying that because. It's like if you do the same thing over and over and it continues not to work, why would you tell him to do it again? And that's kind of what you're thinking. But the thing is, like, you've got to, like, hope that he adapts next year and kind of he's, you know, Emma Jones is like a new guy. Let's not forget about that. Like, let's let's get him, you know, rolling and getting developed more, you know, with multiple years under the same coach. For sure. Yeah, because that, that has been a really uh, tumultuous uh, situation for him, you know, in terms of, uh, his coaching situation at OU, you know, I mean, going from what year one, you lose Lincoln year two, Kale Gundy, you know, leaves before the season. And then yeah, yeah there just hasn't been like any stability really on that. So I, I, I get it. I, I get and it. Yeah. And he came to OU thinking like Caleb Williams was his best buddy. Like mm-hmm. he's had a lot of overturn, you know, having some consistency in his life should help him and that's why i think like he would stay like this is the type of guy that decided to not hit the transfer portal after the caleb williams news so you know like you know consistency means something to him in terms of like his everyday you know routines right. and stuff yeah and i'm so, not saying i want him gone or anything I, i'm just no. saying i i think that a change of change of pace could be good but it could it could know, be absolutely it, if, it, if there's a slot for him somewhere where he's going to have a similar role in something different and new like it's worth a shot yeah, for sure. And I, I and not only that, I think he gets a lot of credit for sticking it out, you know. In this era, it's easy to leave. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of mix it up. And sometimes guys, you know, leave and it doesn't work. So, you know, I could be totally wrong on that, but we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so we'll see what he does. And yeah, James Thrice says in the chat, like, I've heard, I've heard the same thing too. I know the Sooner Scoop guys have been talking about him moving to slot. I think that can work. I really do think, and you know, I feel like at the beginning of the season, we're like, oh, Gavin Freeman's just going to take that slot right away from, you know, Drake Stoops. But the way Gavin Freeman's played this year, <laughs> there's no guarantee at slot right. next year. Yeah, you know, no, no, but no. to be honest with you, <laughs> I still would really like to see, you know, Farouk play on the outside because I believe so much in Jaquay's Petaway and the things that I saw at the beginning of the season that I think that he could be something really special. And I want him to get a lot of run um, early on in his career. Cause we've seen that from our guys in the slot under that, you know, play early and then they turn into something really special. I just really want more sp- snaps for Petaway and Petaway can play outside, but you know, he's a true slot guy comparative to, you know, Farouk can, can be a Swiss army knife. For sure. I, I would agree with that. You know, Petway is really just like that prototypical type of slot dude. It's so quick. So quick. I I wanted to see more of him. Yeah, we we, didn't have any quickness in our wide receiver room this year. It was one of our biggest faults. That's why we threw to Drake Stoops all the time because he was the quick guy to get off the line of scrimmage. You know, in this offense, obviously it's going to be a new offensive coordinator and play caller this year, but still the same base type of offense. You know, you got to get open quick because it's only so many reads that we go through. And Jaquay Spedaway could have been a type of guy that could have gotten open earlier. He would have looked really good on some jet sweeps, I tell you. What, oh Jameson. my God, would Ooh. he? He would have looked gorgeous on some, just, some just jet close, sweeps. Close your eyes, Bobby. Just close your eyes with me right now and just imagine <laughs> Jaquay Spedaway coming through in that jet sweep and getting smashed. 
<laughs> Bane of two on third Ooh, and seven. Oh, two. Perfect. Oh, on third and seven. Yeah. <laughs> Gain of two on third and seven. I can, I can picture it right now. Uh, oh, I don't know. We don't know whether or not Seth Luttrell, Seth Luttrell uh, you know, is pro jet sweep or not. Hopefully he's not. <laughs> yeah. Because, totally. uh, ugh, yeah, that was, that was hard times, man. Yeah. How about Billy Bowman staying? That I, I feel like that is so important. Obviously, and we'll talk about it, and everyone wants to talk about the hypotheticals with um, Danny Stutzman, and is he actually leaving or not? But, like, you know, even if Danny Stutzman were to leave, like, having Billy stay, you know, we were looking at those two guys. Like, if we could have kept one of the two of them, we thought it was going to be Billy leaving and Danny staying. But keeping one of the two of them is so big. Like, we need big-time leaders with big-time personalities moving into the SEC on for our defense. And having Billy on the back end of things is so, so important, not just for his skill, just but for his leadership and what he brings to this team. I mean, absolutely. I mean, either of them we're going we're going to hurt for sure. Mm-hmm. And Danny Stutzman, obviously, obviously fan favorite, massive player, probably one of probably our best player this season out overall, I would say. Um, it t- tapered off at the end a bit, but for a, for a period of time, he was playing like a butt kiss type of guy. Um, Losing him sucks, but I feel like we kind of have built up some linebacker depth where you can, you know, try to build up a Kip Lewis a little bit more. And, you know, mm-hmm. there, there, there is stuff there. I don't quite see that with with um, with Bowman. You know, the, I don't think you can slot in and replace what Bowman does as much. Not to say you could replace Danny Stutzman in that same way. But, you know, I, I don't know. Bowman is such a game changer. What he what he has done this season, obviously with the uh, pick sixes, you know, he, he's an impressive player. Yeah, and, he won us games this year. <laughs> yeah, no, and you know him staying, coming back, you know, again, you know, probably got got robbed of a Jim Thorpe, uh, you know, you know, invite, you know, for the final three. Yeah, uh, that honestly, didn't make any sense. And yeah, just looking for, at stats, made no sense. Yeah, first team uh, All American and. Uh, a couple lists I've seen. So yeah, like that big time season. So to come back, you have to, you have to be thinking that they're telling him he might have a chance to, you know, get some first round draft grades next year. Something like that. Yeah. Obviously these position awards, how much do I take them into account? Really nothing because like these voters aren't paying attention of the best safeties across America and the best cornerbacks across America, unless it's like a really obvious one, you know, you like, you look at like, Last year with Hodgins Tomlinson, like, you know, he had the name. That's really what it was. He played good, but like, you know, he had a lot of deficiencies in his game. He had the name. But then there's years, you know, like Sauce Gardner. Like Sauce Gardner makes sense. Like that guy is just an absolute, you know, beast. I think he won it two years ago. Yeah. I, I, I'm just assuming so. Um, but, you know, like th- those are obvious guys. We don't have a guy like that. Um, this year in college football that I think, you know, people talked about Cooley McKinstry behind him being that guy, but obviously he showed some things this year where he isn't like, you know, a sauce gardener or, you know, what um, Derek Stingley was type of guy. Yeah. Um, so um, it makes sense, but Billy's, you know, got some vengeance and he's, and obviously he's got a lot of, you know, uh, connections to the university with his, you know, with Jada Coleman and like his sister and everything. So it makes sense. Yeah. That is, he, he's proven himself. And I, I, I can't remember who, I think it was Jada who um, retweeted the thing where um, uh, that Venable said after Jada Coleman's like Rob in one of the women's college world series or some, he uh, Venable said something like, Oh yeah, Billy, you know, needs to 
it you know get more hops like that and uh ever since then he's been a man possessed he's been in- incredible ever since getting called out on on twitter by brent in a, in a little joking way mm-hmm. yeah that's it's it's pretty funny yeah. uh but everyone wants to talk about danny um and what's going on and to be honest with you like what is your read on this danny stutzman thing you know like we hear the sooner scoop uh, you know, report of him leaping, but he never actually formally said it himself. And, you know, mm-hmm. Sooner Skip's got a, a good, you know, you know, barometer on what's going on. Is this a regret thing and he's changing his mind? Or what, what do you think's going on? It's very weird, uh, to say the least. Because I, I, I mean, I, I don't doubt Scoop and their reporting. I think they, they're, they're top-notch, best of the best and, and that sort of stuff. They have a really good th- finger on their pulse. And they wouldn't have said that if they didn't truly believe it. I really do believe that. That being said, maybe it's a cold feet thing. Maybe it's a let's wait and see, you know, type of thing. You know, let, let's have this, you know, play on a little bit longer. So he kind of got his gets his moment. That's one thing you definitely have to balance journalistically is, you know, breaking news versus letting players have their moment. You know, that's a kind of a tough line to to walk there. I personally don't love it. Um, but no, I, I think, I think Stutzman, I think Stutzman's probably going pro. Um, and I get it, you know, it's a physical game and, you know, he's been beat up in the past and, you know, um, if you got a good grade, then yeah, go for it. Um, and that's, that's exactly, you know, I, I don't see exits in the NFL as a overall bad thing, all things considered, because Brent Vogels could say, look, you know, I, I came in and this guy was a little like class clown now he's a nfl linebacker you know that's that right there sells is just perfect like recruiting right there of what you can do um but yeah i'm probably trending that he is probably gone i do believe in that but we'll see how it goes yeah and i know there's a lot of you know people saying like i'm starting to think that he's gonna stay now and i get it you know but there has to be some way with confidence that Sooner Scoop would go out there and report that before Danny actually says it himself. You know, like you said, like they're, you know, they, these guys have been doing it um, for a little while other than, you know, um, shoot, uh, completely, uh, just completely George. Sorry, other than George, yeah. you know, George has been kind of, you know, back into the game now. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, George has done such a good job this year. Like these guys know what they're doing. And they wouldn't just throw out that name without him announcing himself without like absolute confidence. So yes, something has changed here, but whenever there was something that confident to begin with for scoop to make that report, like I just can't ignore that. And it, it, I obviously this, the way this podcast has gone this past month, we're going to say something on this. And then the next morning we're going to get news that Danny Stutzman's returning and I'm going to look like a big old dumb, dumb because I've legitimately done that the past, like, you know, Dylan Gabriel, I pretty much said, Oh, he has a concussion, no chance that he plays the last game. And the dude's not even in the freaking protocol, which is absolutely bogus. By the way, I don't believe that one bit that dude obviously had a concussion. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, there's something there, and I understand people are shifting, but I just it's really hard for me to get on that boat yet. I'm, I, I would love to be surprised by Danny, but it's just that that report just is really, really sticking with me. Yeah, no, it, it, it I don't have a lot of confidence that it's wrong, but 
or that he's changed his mind. We'll see where it goes, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he's I think he's probably gone. Do you think that that do you think that's a position we should try to shore up a little bit more in the portal? And I, I guess really mm-hmm. the answer is kind of yes across the board with anything. Not like, really not, though. I, I don't think so because you know you just put in it's the Kobe and Kip era, and then Jaron Canick if he if he can, you know like you know you'd think that that would be an open position battle in the offseason. You have three guys to fill too. So if we don't keep Danny, I don't think it's like, you know, the same thing that we have at the defensive end position or the quarterback position where I'm like, I really, really feel like we need to get a guy because, you know, at the cornerback position, for example, we have young guys, you know, that we think that are going to be special that are coming through but they just didn't get the same amount of snaps that those inside linebackers got. You know, like, you know, the way that Kip played at the end of the year and Canick, we you know, played at the beginning of the year and then kind of sometimes at the end at the end of the year whenever he got mad for getting benched, you know, and the way Kobe <laughs> played, you know, like those are tangible things. While on the other hand, you know, like Josiah Wagner at the quarterback position, we heard all these great things about him, but, you know, how much run did he get? Not that much to begin with. So I don't I don't feel like I feel like we'll be good either way at the at the linebacker position. For sure. And, you know, more snaps, definitely not a bad thing. And, you know, an, uh, an offseason to, you know, another offseason with Schmitty, you know, more focus on, you know, we have a lot of time to figure this thing out. Um, and I think, honestly, linebackers, that's going to be something I'm really excited to look at in the bowl game with the Alamo Bowl is how you how they play without Stutzman. Of course, offensively, you know, how Jackson Arnold handles being the starter, being the man there. So I, I think I think mm-hmm. they're. I think, but linebacker wise, I think that's going to be very exciting to watch. Yeah, totally agree with that one. I think that's really it in terms of talking about portal slash possible departures. There, obviously, there's some other people, but you know, that's like the big, you know, big part of it. I think we can kind of round up and talk about our last thing, Bobby, and something that we're very passionate about and super excited to see about the Cotton Bowl being OU Texas's destination. Yes, Cotton Bowl, um, stay, OU Texas staying in the Cotton Bowl, just signed an agreement with the uh, city of Dallas to extend it past, uh, I believe, 2036. So that'll that'll put put us at uh, over 100 consecutive years, whenever that gets to that point. Um, and it also includes a lot of, uh, of renovations. I believe $140 million in Cotton Bowl renovations. Don't change is... my Cotton Bowl. I want it to be, you know, poor. I, well, I want the Cotton Bowl. You'd walk in there and be like, damn, when was the last time they renovated this? That's just part of the, you know, the, you know, the appeal of going to the Cotton right. Bowl. Am I wrong for saying that? I, I see. I don't think you're wrong because I'm with you. And it seems like they'll keep the spirit of the stadium and it's not going to look totally different. You know, it's just mm-hmm. going to be a little bit nicer here. There's going to be escalators. Um, uh, but okay. let's be honest, All Jameson. Right. I don't think there's any way you can prevent a horde of dead crickets in the upper deck. You know, <laughs> the Cotton Bowl will find a way to Cotton Bowl. Life uh, finds a way, which which is exactly what happened to me this year, by the way. Uh, just covered in dead, just dead crickets everywhere. And didn't you really enjoy it? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I saw the crickets and I chuckled and it had a great day. I, I didn't I didn't care about it, you know. Mm-hmm. It with uh Michael in the comments said a dome, which is funny no. he said here's no, the thing no. that's funny about it. They in the uh early two thousands, late nineties, they actually tried to put a dome on the cotton bowl and move the cowboys there. Uh it didn't work. 
but I no, I want a bacon there. I want a bacon there, like we're little, you know, sardines on a pizza going through the <laughs> oven. Like, you know, I want, I want to feel like that whenever I'm at the Cotton Bowl. Right. It's just, it's, it's just like a really big, like, high walled skillet or something. But I yeah. get not all of the fans that are thinking about going to a game OU Texas are, you know, sickos in their high upper twenties like we are, you know, right. that can endure these type of things. Yeah. So, you know, I totally get it. But you know, me and you are absolute cotton bowl OU Texas state fair kind of destination purist. And we've always kind of been nervous about this. And just to feel safe for, you know, close to what like 10 ish, 15 ish more years, you know, um, that makes me feel good that we don't have to have that conversation of Jerry world, Jerry world anymore. Like we can just kind of enjoy our time for the next 10 right. plus years. Exactly. We, we, we can take a break and not have to panic about it, you know, which look, the Jerry world one is dumb. I think that's, that's the dumbest suggestion or not the dumbest suggestion. That's a dumb suggestion that is horrible and would take a lot of fun out of the game. Home and home would be interesting, but you lose this specific likeness. But the dumbest of all is people saying that they should put it the uh, uh, Texas mo like Motor Speedway, which makes no sense. quit. So Why? Like, if you're gonna do it, just go to Jerry World. Yeah, it's either sit, it's, it's either the or sit like a thousand yards away from the. It doesn't work. It didn't even work for Bristol when the, when uh, Tennessee and uh, Virginia Tech played because even though even though you were like surround it, it, it worked in the sense that you're surrounded and it looked like a stadium. But also, you're a billion miles away and couldn't see anything. So it's just how about we play like, football in football stadiums? Exactly. What a what a stop, concept. Stop, stop trying to play football in Yankee Stadium. Stop trying to play, you know, basketball in NRG Stadium. Well, okay. You know, like, I, I, I no no okay. I will live and die on the uh, Iowa Northwestern game at Wrigley that had less points than several Cubs games. <laughs> that was great. It looked like a disaster. I, yeah, it just it's it's silly. I I I'm okay with football in a baseball stadium, but I'm not like it's whatever. Um, it's fun and quirky, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Very weird stuff. Um, got to touch on the OU basketball team, Jameson. Of course as well. we do. Undefeated, nine and zero for the first time since Buddy Heald's year. Uh, how you feeling about the Sooners? Like what what a what a crazy flip that Porter Moser pulled off. I know everyone said this, but it's just because I'm enjoying this. Not because really, obviously it's fun to win, but it's just a fun team to watch. Like some of our past teams, the past, just like, you know, like Tanner Grove shooting top of the key three pointers, just like would just take a little part out of my soul every single time I saw it. You know, like this team is a lot more fun. You know, like the way that uh, JV McCollum plays is so much fun. Like he's so shifty. He's a playmaker. He's got a great handle, you know, CJ McCollum calling him out on Twitter, you know, OU getting a little bit of national attention. This team is so, so much fun. There's some guys on this team that like slowly I'm starting to like really like that. I feel like people don't talk about it much. You know, who was the guy that I really, really like? Cool. I love Rivaldo Suarez. Um, <laughs> number five. He is so fun. He's so fun. Like his athleticism, like these six foot six athletes that we got, you know, our team, you know, obviously Jalen Moore didn't have the best game last last time. But, you know, like that kind of body type with that kind of athleticism is so fun. Obviously, Otega Owe as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. six foot five plus athletes going out there and running and playing fast basketball. And it's it's such a night and day difference from the previous two Moser teams, which were like, we got a bunch of juke or a bunch of, uh, you know, mid-major guys and they're just kind of 
you know, slow and non-athletic, but they have fundamentals and grit, you know, and it just, it, it just didn't work. So to see Moser completely flip it on his head and go full athlete, you know, exciting, great basketball that you really want to watch. I mean, look, get down to the Lloyd Noble Center and, and watch this team play. They're, they're fun. Full um, athlete other than John Hughley, big boy John Hughley. But we love John, John Hughley. I love John Hughley, man. Like the pit transfer, he is yes. he is he's big awesome. old boy lumbering down the court. He is a large lad. I love it. He, he <laughs> when is the last time we had someone like him? It was it's great. Tiny Galleon. Tiny oh no, yeah. Okay. He, he is tiny galleon revived. Uh, I love it. I love it. That's funny. Yeah, and like he was like bombing threes in that USC game. I think right. You know, like like not like really his game, but still was something that was big time for us. Like it's a really fun team to watch, and you know we have like so few guys that return from last season, but the guys that are there are just slotting in perfectly. It's like kind of like role guys. You know, Milo Suzanne is so talented, but just the way he's such a smart basketball player that he just he's able to morph himself into a brand new team. And it just it's, it looks like a seamless transition. And always just like a firecracker, just like, you know, like he's all over the court. He's just so fun to watch. And then do you see what Musselman said um, about um, about Sam Godwin, like one of the best players in the country about, you know, like doing the little things and all this stuff. I'm pretty sure that was Musselman who said it because I remember scoffing because anything that um, Musselman says is kind of weird. Um, yeah, but, he's a um, weird dude, man. That, you know. he, him getting ejected, you know, I, I believe I believe that's the second time he got ejected against OU in three games, <laughs> which is, like, how does that happen? Yeah, so he said, yeah, he said, um, hold on, let's, let, let's make sure I've got this you know, keep talking. I'm going to find this yeah, quote because I want to make sure I'm not crazy. He also scoffed at OU going to the SEC and be like, oh, good luck. I'm like, dude, we played the Big 12. Like, there's there's no situation that is worse than the one that we were currently in than, than, than that. Uh, yeah. So. Here, here's what he said. He said, one of the best in college basketball going vertical. So that's a really, really weird thing to, like, look at all of college basketball players and how they can go vertical up in the air. Okay, he's one of the best players at not needing the ball in his hands to affect the game. Like, that is quite the superlatives for a Godwin, yeah. a guy that, you know, was just like a – he'd come in last season and be like, oh, he played a couple good minutes, but he obviously had some deficiencies in his game. Like, I, I don't know how much I can take because Musselman's such a angry little elf that I just don't you – know, I just don't know what I can take from him. But still, that's quite the praise, and people are really starting to look at this basketball team. Yeah, it's hard to take them seriously. But, I mean, look, big test coming up soon against North Carolina, you know, in Charlotte. So massive, yeah. massive stuff coming up for, for the Sooners. Uh, and then, obviously, conference play. We're about to find, find out how real this team is, just as we always as we always do. But, you know, I'm ready to be heard again. I am ready yeah. to be heard again. Yeah, Armando Baycott's going to give us a lot of trouble. You know, if Sam Godwin can go up and be one of the best vertical players in college basketball, hopefully we've got a chance with him. But, you know, like – Armando Baycott is so good and he's just going to pat, you know, stat pad versus us and um, RJ Davis also for North Carolina, you know, the guard who played so great the past couple of years. Like he is also just like a beast of a player. Um, we're going to have a tough, tough match with UNC and especially being kind of in their, their side of the country. It's, it's going to be really fun to watch. Basically in their backyard. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I gotta say, Baycott is kind of reaching the Perry Ellis like level of longevity. 
Well, yeah. the thing is, like, whenever these guys in college basketball have legitimacy early on in their career, but they can't go pro because they're a big man, we continue to throw this Perry Ellis name because they're just not good enough to go to the pros. Like, you know, it's we see this so much with his play because he's not going to do anything in the NBA. His play won't isn't good enough. There's no chance, you know. Right. But you know, if he can stay and get nil money, why not? It's like I mean, it's it's kind of a similar thing. I don't, I don't want to compare him to Dylan Gabriel, but it's like a, the same conversation. Like Dylan Gabriel is a great college quarterback, but you know, draft grades. Do you even think that he's getting draft grades in the day three? Like like he'd be like you know a sixth round, fifth round guy possibly, and and that's not something he wants. Right. And when you're a big in college basketball too, it's like. You have to so many guys get stuck in that kind of tweener size where like they can't play, you know, for like power forward or small forward in the NBA. But you can Baycott's play center. 11. He's, he's yeah, a good size. He's just too true. slow on his feet is the problem. You know, like it's just you, a traditional big man that can't play defense. They're going to pick him apart on on the defensive end. They're going to bring him out and whoever's guarding him is going to expose him. It's it's as simple as that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, wow. I didn't realize he was six. Zach Eady, you know, same thing. Same story as Zach Eady. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of Gabriel, by the way, are you uh, surprised? Uh, no, you're not surprised. That's a dumb question. Going to going to Oregon makes no. so much sense. Like, no, we talked about what, it. what a great fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. you know, the people are talking about Mississippi State. I was like, that would be a sad move for him. You know, good for Blake Shapin. <laughs> Blake Shapin <laughs> at Mississippi State makes too much sense. Like that. Yeah. That is like, oh, okay. There yeah. you go. And it's gonna. I I I haven't really liked Blake Shapin these past couple no. years, but <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Dylan Gabriel, Oregon. It just is so nice because I want him to be happy and it kind of you know. You know, I'm sure he's disappointed in that he can't go to the NFL because obviously you can tell that's his aspiration and his grade. It just isn't worth it financially and just for his future to go. Um, and you feel for him. But going to Oregon, whenever he looked up to Marcus Mariota as a kid, you know, at least gives him that extra kind of excitement and fun to this season to where it's like, I left OU and he had such a great relationship with everyone here. And like, it became like a little nice stint of his career, but I feel like Oregon isn't just like a, something that he has to do. I feel like he actually is really, really excited about the move to Oregon to play more college football. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, that that's a fun move. That That's a really good move. Um, it's exciting. Obviously the Mariota thing. Um, but also, you know, schedule wise, people have talked about it. Uh, game one is week zero in Hawaii. Oh yeah, so perfect. he'll he'll get to play at home uh, on on island, which is going to be that'll be fun. That that mm-hmm. that that's going to be a nice little week zero treat uh, yeah. between that and Florida State scrappy dogs and Dublin, which is <laughs> why is that a thing for people who don't know? Scrappy dogs, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, I, yeah, which makes no sense, but we continue to call them scrappy dogs. Yeah, because um, no, they're yeah. not. <laughs> Not scrappy like at all. Nor nor dogs. Nor are they dogs. Their <laughs> arch rival are dogs. Like, it, it makes zero sense. Oh, but anyways, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we have for this show, mm-hmm. though. Um, you know, just kind of, kind of getting through it. Um, you know, like a couple weeks before uh, the Alamo Bowl, but uh, making our first picks here on Wednesday, Jameson on the weekend spread. And Wednesday, we have a, a special episode, too. 
That is right. Uh, the SEC schedule getting revealed uh, live on SEC Network. But the second the Sooners uh, SEC slate is revealed, we will hop on here, go live, talk about our favorite games, uh, where they're being played, when they're being played. It's going to be great. Um, we already know a couple dates, but, uh, you know, hey, I'm excited to see the full thing and start planning my uh, fall. around. That's exactly uh, right. Fingers crossed. I'm just slating in some trips right now. So um, you fall wedding people don't even try me. Don't don't not this year. Not this year. <laughs> don't no, even no, no. try don't. me. And you know who you are. Don't even try me. I, I have a group of friends who are doing like a, who are going to Germany for Oktoberfest and they're missing like the, the Tennessee game. And That's okay. I'm like, they're, they're missing like the whole half of the season. I'm like, man, what are we doing here? Missing the Tennessee game, though, like if, in terms of games to miss, I see it because like we've already kind of seen Tennessee recently. So it's like not this brand new, super yeah, fun thing. But at fair. the same time, but at the same time, you don't want to miss any of the games in terms right. of this OU move to the SEC. But if you're talking about like the opponents that we have this year, Tennessee, I don't get as excited about just because of the recency. Uh, yeah, because we, we just had them. Uh, I mean, I'm more excited about the road games than the home ones. Oh yeah, it's absolutely the road games. That's the I mean for me, like I'm cl- I'm pretty close, you know, mm. uh, comparative to like Oklahoma for some of these, because um, I'm actually in the East now. So yeah. Ashley and I, we are legitimately have had talks to go to all you know the away games except for Missouri. Oh yeah. So oh, like we're like so this schedule release is big time for me and I probably won't be able to go to them, but just like the thought of like going to Baton Rouge and going to the Grove, you know, and then obviously, you know, her um, stepmom is a huge Auburn fan. So it's, it just makes so much sense. It's going to be such a fun season. It's going to be truly great. Can't wait for it. Off season. It's going to be fun too. A lot, a lot to talk about. So cool. Well, we will uh, convene on Wednesday to talk more about you know the bulls all this live pod um, what what's that live pod too live live pod of course will be live um bull mania by the way it's going on uh make sure to sign up we're going to put the link in the bio here or it like link right here in the description i keep forgetting to do that uh but password like the only way you can the only way you can get the password is if you listen to the show the password is Milady. M L A D Y, all lowercase. Uh, tip, tip my hat to you there. Uh, but yeah, only way way to do that is to listen to the show. Uh, we will we'll be playing for an indeterminate amount of money that we have not decided yet. But it will uh, be free money if you play in our bowl mania and you have the password. We're legitimately giving our money away with no bowl entry. This is yeah. not where you have to put up any of your money. We're just giving exactly. you a nice little treat. It'll be great. So make sure to sign up for that. Link will be in the description uh, below here. And again, that password, Milady, M Lady. So, <laughs> which, by the way, uh, I guess the trophy actually is the Golden Fedora. Whoever wins weekend spread, because Blake just went ahead and bought one. Yes. Well, congratulations, Blake. I need to see that on Wednesday. <laughs> I know. We we need to see that. We're um yeah. The, this weekend's gonna be fun. Uh, we're we're going to uh, Vegas for. Uh, longtime Scooter Pod listeners will remember old, old uh, Ford Brandon, you know, making appearance on a couple appearances on the show, uh, his bachelor party. So, um, very excited about that. So, gonna get gonna get the the uh the some of the squad back together. But cool. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. We'll see you on Wednesday to make our picks and talk about the SEC schedule. Y'all have a great uh, week, everyone, and Boomer Sooner.